I believe St. Romuald is a true saint for the domestic church. He was also, well, he was a Benedictine monk who fell asleep on this day in the year of our Lord 1027. In Dante's Divine Comedy, we find at one point St. Benedict himself indicating to the pilgrim the presence of the contemplatives. They were up on a ladder. They are named fires by St. Benedict, and the two that are named are Macarius, a desert father, and Romuald. Romuald's devotion to Christ was fueled by his many mystical experiences of God's presence in solitude while praying the Psalms. So much so that he actually felt driven out of a strictly Cenobitic life in community and rather devoutly experiment with the eremitic life so that between the life of community and the life of a hermit in solitude and what he saw as an inherent tension between the two, there might be forged a new kind of harmony. His biography was written by none other than St. Peter Damien, holy doctor of the church. And Romuald is the founder of the Camaldolese order, an outgrowth of the order of St. Benedict. And Romuald left us a brief rule that I think might be seen as a how-to-get-started chapter in an as-yet-unwritten and, truth be told, probably never-to-be-written operations manual for the domestic church. Because if there was such a book, well, that would just be no fun at all. But to explain why I make that assertion, I need first to back up a little bit. It was at last summer's liturgy conferences that Dr. O'Malley asked me to put together a plain song, even song, in the Anglican tradition for this year's conference. It had become known because to the angst probably of Dr. Robinson, I use social media more than the average person. It had become known that I had been conducting an experiment in my home in central Illinois near Peoria. And you know what they say, if it plays in Peoria, an experiment placed in plain song and the daily offices, which is the Anglican equivalent of the Liturgy of the Hours, that my family, which at that time was my wife and our four daughters, that, whom we are homeschooling, and we've since become a family of seven. The young boy is a year and a half, and he's chanting along with us, of course. <laughs> The experiment was, was, maybe my family is ready to make the leap from the short 10-minute form of daily chant 
developed by my study of Anglican pastoral theologian and priest Martin Thornton that we had used for four years, often in the car every day to school, we chanted this 10-minute prayer, ready to make the leap into chanting matins and evensong, morning prayer and evening prayer every day. Well, suffice it to say, that was two years ago, and the experiment has taken. Two years in, and it has become the anchor of our domestic church. Our family's life, both in terms of daily routine and pattern, but more importantly, in terms of our devotion to the most holy and blessed Trinity. It has also spread within our parish, from our dining room table to our chapel, where we've begun to have daily matins and evensong, and even I have formed a plain song choir in our parish with 14 people in it. Okay, five of which are dolmens, <laughs> but still nine others. <laughs> and that we have done three solemn evensong services within the liturgical calendar, all in the last nine or so months, the eve of Michaelmas, the eve of the presentation, and the, just recently, the eve of Pentecost. And, well, the experiment is here, isn't it? Well, let me just report, in case you're wondering, that it is in fact mind-blowingly wild to me that the waves of a homeschooling experiment in Pekin, Illinois might come to shore in the Lady Chapel of the Basilica of the Sacred Heart on the campus of the University of Notre Dame. The providence of God, as we all know, is quite real and quite active. And grace has been bestowed, I've come to think, particularly here, in two ways. One, to hear his invitation in the first place, to give this experiment in domestic church a try. Because I did it for nothing, really. I didn't do it, of course. And two, to be steady during the ups and downs of its implementation, which was an adventurous implementation, as most things in a family are. Well, I arrived at this moment of gratitude and thanksgiving, not, of course, to boast in anything that I have done, but to boast in what our loving Lord has done. And my gratitude, what I've just expressed to you, was clarified, in fact, by our two lessons of sacred scripture, as well as the example of Saint Romuald all three of which present to the question of the domestic church the light of Christ. The account of Samuel's encounter with the Lord draws our attention to the domestic environment, the feel of our homes, the unique culture of our homes. We want, I think, we can agree, we want the environment, what scholars would call the ecology of our homes, to be such wherein, in the space of our home and in the pattern of our life in it, God can be heard. Like Samuel heard God where he was. 
Even where a home where God calls our name, like He called Samuel's name. Like He called Mary Magdalene's name. And so our passage also, I think, helps families to dispense with the need, utterly utopian, impossible need for our home life to be a perfect haven of pure devotion by all members of the family. <laughs> certainly wasn't for Samuel. It certainly wasn't for the people of Israel at this time. God called Samuel despite the word of the Lord being rare in those days, we're told. With no frequent vision, we're told. The only concrete description was that Samuel, by that I mean the concrete description of something of the environment besides those two bits of description, was that Samuel was sleeping in relative proximity to the Ark of God. Which for us, of course, is a prefigurement of Our Lady. In his introduction to Redemptorist Mater, Joseph Ratzinger wrote that Mary's faith means trust in God and obedience, even when one walks in darkness. Even when Samuel and Eli and the people of Israel might have been walking in darkness. The Ark of God, the faith of Mary. So perhaps, in terms of concrete practice, devotion to Our Lady within our homes, within the domestic church, even one that may seem as a whole, a home that is far from a space that is going to immediately realize the sacred and holy voice of God, perhaps a concrete devotion to Our Lady daily is a sure foundation for an environment to emerge and grow in the home around the devotion to Our Lady in which we can hear God. And is the way to begin to develop one. That our response to God's call of us is not slothfully ignored, but rather that of Samuel. Here I am. And then it is to the characteristic of adventure in prayer that St. Luke's account of the parents of Jesus finding him in the temple when he was 12 years old, I think, draws us to reflect upon the characteristic of adventure in prayer. So let us just assume that the domestic church life of the Holy Family was the ideal model of sanctity, fellowship in prayer, where they could hear the voice of God. They could hear Jesus. <laughs> it's pretty clear. And really, I think a type, a prefigurement of the Eucharistic life itself realized in the home. All the more reason for us to be encouraged in our less than perfect domestic family lives by the fact that, well, even for Mary and Joseph, whose intimacy and closeness with Jesus was was and is a permanent and inexhaustible catechesis for the church. Even for them, there were moments when Jesus felt far away. 
So it's okay if that happens in our homes also. That's all part of the ebb and flow of the Christian life. Between consolation and desolation, between presence and absence, between real communion and real desire for communion. This is the Christian adventure in prayer. And it demands heroism, I think, on the part of parents who are uniquely empowered by God by the grace of their marriage to help the whole family find the voice of Jesus again. And it also, I think, demands a native heroism on the part of the children in our homes who through their curiosity and through their wonder show new ways to find Jesus, new ways to hear his voice, surprising and often downright adorable ways. All to echo Samuel's, here I am. Now all of this, in fact, would be Saint Romuel approved. And here I circle back to my assertion that Romuel is a true saint for the domestic church, with particular emphasis on the helpfulness of something that he wrote and has come down to us called his brief rule. Well, first of all, let us recognize that the patterns of day-to-day -day life today compared with even 150 years ago are dramatically different, shockingly different, a primary reason for which is the technology of the automobile dramatically transforming city and city life. So much so that the life for many of us in our homes is more like the life of Christian hermits. Is it not? More like the life of Christian hermits than we might be comfortable admitting. Although we gather in social spaces of our cities and towns, and I actually don't think bowling alone is quite right, as wherever I happen to bowl, the lanes are quite not alone and rather full. But then again, it's peak in Illinois. And of course, we gather in our parish churches, but we often do not know our neighbors, do we? Or if we know some of them, we don't know that many of them, often. Home life, even with large families, is often analogous to the hermit's cell. We're not divorced from wider society in our homes by any stretch of the imagination, but we're separated. And we're separated from people nearby us, oftentimes. And we often don't encounter people at all in anything but strikingly anti-incarnational ways, such as on social media, or social media or even the telephone, which is a odd way to communicate with another person if you think about it. Voice and no body at all. And just in general, families like to do their own thing, don't we? Well, the first sentence of Romuald's brief rule is rather topical. It reads, Sit in your cell as in paradise. We might translate, Be in your home as 
in paradise. Not because we falsely think that our homes are the church triumphant itself in microcosm, but rather paradise as Jesus described it to the confessing thief next to him on the cross when Jesus said, Today you will be with me in paradise. Our homes are this kind of paradise, I think, where we work by grace through the process of everyday purification and purgation, knowing that Jesus is very close to us, working things out, working our shadows, working our wounds out. And that process of everyday purification, the home as paradise, is the arranging of our lives in and through the pattern of home life so as, again, to be like Samuel, sleeping by the ark of God, or for us, with a daily devotion to Our Lady in our home, thereby able to hear God's calling of our name, that parents and children can hear God calling to them, and parents and children can hear God guiding them, well, later in his brief rule, Ramuel teaches us the following, to take every opportunity you can to sing the psalms in your heart and to understand them with your mind. He continues, And if your mind wanders as you read, do not give up. Hurry back and apply your mind to the words once more. So yet, yes, let us pray the psalms in our homes. Yet there is a, another insight here. Just as if our mind wanders, hurry and apply it to the words again, if we lose the sense of the presence of Christ amid the ebb and flow of religious domestic church life, like Mary and Joseph lost track of Jesus, let us not beat ourselves up if our mind wanders but go immediately and passionately back to the text and find him. In doing so, we let ourselves be found by him. Mary and Joseph passionately sought Jesus. Let us persevere to find him in the Psalms, or even as Romuel taught, to find him in one Psalm. You don't have to find him in every psalm, all the time. One psalm, as he taught, it is better to pray one psalm with devotion and compunction than a hundred with distraction. Romuald finishes his brief rule with these words. Realize above all that you are in God's presence, in the cell, in the home. And stand there with the attitude of one who stands before the emperor. Empty yourself completely and sit waiting, content with the grace of God, like the chick who tastes nothing and eats nothing but what his mother brings him. Mary brings us Jesus. And so in that sense, the traditional image of the mama pelican 
who pecks at her breast to feed her children is also an image of Our Lady whose own soul was also pierced with a sword. The sword of the Spirit that her sorrow and Eucharistic glory at the foot of the cross might guide us and feed us. Blessed Mary, Mother of God, and Saint Romuald, pray for us.